people in this country who are more powerful than the leader of the free world. Two of them silence the President of the United States. Another controls the planet's largest search engine with the power to decide what we can find in the world's largest library. No man, no woman, no monopoly should have that kind of power in the world's greatest democracy. This past election, they proved something that should chill the spine of anyone who takes seriously the Bill of Rights. This handful of people has the wherewithal to silence whomever they please, to stifle the free expression of ideas. They have dominion over what we are allowed to see, to hear, and to read. Power to tell us what we are allowed to think. Now, no 30-something kid sitting in a big boy chair in Silicon Valley should have that kind of power. Nor should any tech monopoly have the power to leverage the discourse of the elected and those they serve. On this, we now have something in common with China. In China, the government does it. Here, we let private monopolies do it. So the time has come to do with big tech what we once did with Standard Oil, the railroad parents, AT&T and Microsoft. We're going to have to break them up into smaller pieces and make it possible for smaller companies and startups to compete. We're going to have to rein in their practice of gobbling up their competitors and stifling competition. We're going to have to write a new set of laws that protect the privacy of those who voice their opinions and the right to tell social media monopolies that their personal data is not to be collected, sold, or used. I'm Jim Carlin, and I approve this message. Good evening, America, and welcome to a second edition for today of the Sea Report. We're coming to you live on this Memorial Day weekend, this Saturday evening at, uh, this is May 29th, and uh, I am your host, Mr. C. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sea Report. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks for returning. I'm glad you all uh, were able to find your way back and uh, are in for quite a show tonight. Uh, first of all, we are coming live from the Foxhole app with the Foxhole fam, Twitch, and DLive, and I hope you all are having a great evening. I hope you've had a wonderful dinner. I know I did. I had me some communist food. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm not kidding, but, you know, it's Chinese food. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, I just, I like my Chinese food. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I hope you guys had a great dinner. I could have done with some barbecue, but you know what? I'm not in Dallas right now, so I guess I can't be having that barbecue, right? Anyways, so, um, all right. Well, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're, we did two specials today. We were running special reports, uh, doing some headlines, uh, just getting in some extra face time with the fam and the patriots around the world and around America. Uh, to, uh, and we would love to welcome you all to this America First program. Uh, here we do America First news and headlines, and uh, we give our own, my own, analysis on what I think it is. Now, tonight, I do have a special report for you all. Now, earlier this afternoon when I was on, we kind of had like a fun show, you know, and I was going on about, you know, not going, coming on in a tie, and so I couldn't help myself. But um, uh, yeah, I had to go ahead and suit up. And um, uh, well, today I was going to do uh, two or two special reports, but the scope of this report just got so big 
And it's just right in line with everything that we've been talking about in regards to the 2020 presidential election audit, federal audit, of course, but also we had a bunch of down ballot tickets, the ramifications of what that could mean for our country, state by state, in everything. It's just, it's huge, guys. It is simply huge, the ramifications that it could come from this. So you guys might have noticed that uh, we started off the C report with a clip from a representative who is running. Now that video came from March of this year. And uh, indeed, we've had this conversation about how giant tech companies uh, have basically uh, found a way to shape public opinion. You talk about uh, election interference. Now, this is it's, it's very interesting, guys, because you have also heard me talk about things like IIA, Internet Interactive Activity, right? That's something that has come out of my mouth several times. And and even though, uh, you know, Zuckerberg and, you know, uh, the Twitter folks and even Go Ogle, I call them Go Ogle because Google ogles you. They go and they ogle you. Go Ogle. Um, even though, uh, you know, they may not be subsidized or included in people like General Jim Jones, you know, the uh, the rogue retired general who is uh, basically one of, I believe, to be one of the people who's perpetrated all of this on the American people and on the Trump administration, on America itself, right? Even though uh, Zuckerberg and the likes may not be under his uh, payroll, you know, unlike some people I know, um, uh, it's, it's interesting to, to know that they still were effective in being internet interactive activity, like gatekeepers, you know, key holders, turnkeys, if you will, uh, but but more so because of the monopoly of uh, social, uh, I was say social distancing, uh, the monopoly of, of the social media websites and platforms that they have, and then also with the protection that they are given under the 203s, like uh, basically they do have a monopoly. So we're going to examine a little bit of that today. And when I say a little bit, I mean a lot, because um, in light of all of the election audits that have been happening in Arizona, that's where, I mean, that's where it got the major kickoff, even though we know in New Hampshire, they, I mean, that's sorry, I apologize, in Michigan, they were fighting for that for a minute prior to Arizona really kicking off. But the, I mean, it's been on the ground, guys, because guess what? We, the people... We who are standing together to organize this revolutionary movement, we have been active on the ground, fighting to get these audits through, fighting for our legislators to hear us. And the funny thing is, no one in, uh, no one in the House or the Senate's really talked about it. I think Elise Stefanik, uh, you know, the newly appointed uh, Liz Cheney replacer, <laughs> Elise Stefanik's the only one I have actually heard say something about the election audits. Um, of course, we have representatives like the uh, Arizona Senate um, who are fighting for this, who have been going through the mill, uh, who have been running through the gambit of like lawfare, you know, of, of uh, public, uh, public um, uh, disinterest of media attacking them. You know, they've been through the gambit in Arizona, and they've really stood up for what they believe to be truth, honesty, and the right thing to do. Uh, I mean, my hat goes off to these people um, because I have not seen any legislators work with as much integrity 
stateside, you know, in the states, the state Senate, as I have in Arizona. And it really says something about their characters, their morals, their scruples, and their love of America, right? And so basically, we have this whole process going through. Uh, and we are, I mean, if you, if you listen to the C report, if you watch the C report, then you know this is the topic du jour at this at this report. This is what we bring to the table because there is more news coming out on this almost daily that we can actually absorb and reflect on and kind of get to know. So it's really interesting. And so what we want to do today is we want to take a look at this Center for Tech and Civic Living. And I know you guys, my initiated audience, know what I'm talking about when we are talking about the Center for Tech and Civic Living. And if you don't, well, you will by the end of this program. Because let me tell you something for sure. This organization, which is actually funded, it's a nonprofit organization that was funded primarily by one Mark Zuckerberg. Well, we can see how all that dark money, that dirty money, got into our elections and how they did it. And we're going to look at that and examine that closely today because when we reported it here at the Sea Report at the beginning of this month, it was breaking in Wisconsin. Wisconsin was breaking open because it was being found out that this Center for, for Tech and Civic Living through the National Vote from Home Institute and this, uh, this, uh, this uh, shady um, Democrat operative were actually the ones who were running the elections in the Wisconsin Five. Let's see if I can remember them off the top of my head. Kenosha, Milwaukee, Racine, Madison, and Green Bay, the, the Wisconsin Five. And it was their mayors who enlisted that Democrat operative from the National Vote from Home Institute, who is an under-organization beneath the Center for Tech and Civic Living, when they, they found the emails. And we'll look at all of that. We already reported that story at the Sea Report, but guess what? We're going to refresh your memories later on this afternoon. But we really want to kind of pour into who this um, organization is and what their functions are, and then we'll look at what they were actually doing. So it's looking to be a great show for tonight, and I'm glad you guys are here for this late night program. If you are over at the For God and Country Patriot Roundup, I hope you're having a fabulous time. I know Sidney Powell was on the stage today. I know General Flynn was on the stage today. I don't know who else was on the stage today, but I know they were. <laughs> And you know what? If you didn't get to go to any of the VIP events or the after parties, I hope that you are in your hotel room and you are relaxing with me at the Sea Report and you're getting some good information because that's what we try and do here. We try and deliver some good information to you, the American people. All right. Now, before we get into the program, you know what time it is, folks. It's time for that chat recap. Now, I cannot ignore. Uh, all of the people, all the folks who come through the C report and, you know, I at least have to say hello. And that's because, you know, the C report is not as interactive as I would like it to be only because I can't get through the news if I stop and engage the chat. And let me tell you what, over at the foxhole.app, everyone is just so full of life and, you know, and, and vim. Um, that sometimes they get pulled into it and uh, and they're not trolling either. You know what I mean? Like they're actually sharing, you know, they're either they're either encouraging or they're sharing insights. And that is just that's quality, guys. 
quality. So we're, and oh, if you were if you were with us this afternoon, then you know for a fact because this afternoon <laughs> I was getting pulled into chat, but we had a fun time this afternoon. I think. Real quick, I want to say hello to Carrie Lake. Hi, Carrie Lake, and thank you so much for giving me that can. Uh, I appreciate any donations that you guys send this way. We got also uh, Micah. Micah is in the house. How's it going, Micah? I miss you. I haven't seen you in I don't know how long, but welcome to the show. And we also got uh, Rebel Sace. Rebel Sace. Howdy, Rebel Sace. Uh, and uh, you guys just stick around. We got a great show and I'm sure there will be more people popping up in just a minute. But in, in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and start my chat recap from not this afternoon, but, but from yesterday's episode. We had some pretty good conversation going on in yesterday's episode. So let's see. We had 17 angels in the house. I wanted to thank Stacks Double X for gifting shades uh, to the program. Thank you for your donation. Most definitely, definitely appreciate it. Helios One, thank you for your time, Mr. C. Michelle O was in the house. Tam Growl, you were in the house as well. And I also want to thank you for your gold pill donations to the C Report. It's very much appreciated. Bales was in the house. Slide Park 2020. Michelle O says, Foxhole is my news, fellowship, entertainment, and hope. Don't know where I'd be without y'all. And you know what? That's exactly why I see this community as it's as good as gold, as good as gold, as good as gold, guys, because where else can you find everything in one? You know, now there's always that small threat that when you get too big, you're going to get all the trolls coming in. You're going to get all those naysayers that just want to come in and drop, you know, lies and, 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 you know, they just want to pick on people. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you could say that's a good thing. I mean, you almost want to kind of keep it nice and, and comfy and to itself. But we also want to grow, right? We also want to grow the foxhole. We've already got this die-hard community of patriots and America First people and people who are awake. They're not woke. They're awake. You know what I mean? And so, like, it's just – it's a blessing in itself. And and I would have to agree with you, Michelle. Like, I was always a lurker. <laughs> and I was always just an onlooker and, and maybe just someone who talked on a podcast but never really engaged uh, because um, nothing was meaningful out there. Nothing was meaningful out there. All right, Bales, thank you so much for also the Gold Pill Spark, uh, Slide Park 2020. Again, I appreciate the Gold Pill donations. Just V was in the house. Said, need troll spray. This is appropriate. Of course, I had a, I had a trolley troll yesterday over in um, a Twitch. Now, I don't, I don't have that really snazzy and cool and funny as hell mechanism that Frank over at the NPC show has. The wheel. <laughs> oh my goodness. I should ask Frank to make me something like that. Should, can you make me a wheel or, or something or something that we can, maybe we can do like one of those like uh, a trap doors. <laughs> uh, if the troll goes down the trap door, they're kicked, right? But it's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't mind trolls. I don't tend to ingrate engage them, but you know, every now and then I will. The Texan was in the house. Howdy, Texan. I hope you're having a great time over at the Patriot Roundup. I hope you're enjoying. I know you are, sir. I know you are. And thank you for uh, dropping in and saying hello. Now, we had Helios 1. Helios 1 was on a roll with comments yesterday, so let me go ahead and read one of them. It said, Yester centuries, liberals are today's conservatives. 100 years difference, and how American mentality politically always goes left. So I could appreciate that comment 
obvious, I mean, not obviously, but like clearly, I should say clearly, yes. Uh, yesterday's liberals are are today's conservatives. And there was a um, there was a pretty healthy debate in the chat going on here. Uh, we had Helios and Jess V and uh, I believe Carrie Lake possibly was also involved in this chat and maybe one other. Um, uh, but it, th that was to the point. Uh, uh, Helios once said more to that point. How is it a New York liberal from 20 years ago is the most conservative president today? Um, and then uh, let's see. Um, uh, just V had said classical liberalism is definitely not what the left is. These are all true facts, people, because the left has gone so far left that they make people who used to be considered liberal uh, look conservative. And, and so all of these points were really meshing well together. I thought I thought it was really good discourse. You know, I mean, thing, it seems like things might have gotten a little bit heated. I'm not going to step in there too much, but, you know, um, it, it, it's, it really does go to show that uh, uh, someone had mentioned the Overton window. Uh, it might have been Just V. In fact, Just V said, I wasn't alive 100 years ago, so I can't tell you their thoughts. The Overton window has definitely shifted left the last 20 years. All of these thoughts definitely aligned and meshed in yesterday's uh, in yesterday's chat. And that's what I'm talking about. This is quality chat. You know, like these are these are the ideas that, you know, they're expressing and they all mesh so well, uh, of course, because we are talking about how, you know, um, um, all of that has changed in time. And so it, it really is true. Uh, the Overton window, it's like they always, uh, how is it that they say that uh, the liberal, the progressives, the Marxists, the communists, basically it's all the same thing, right? And and through their media propaganda, we'll just keep pushing the limit and pushing the limit to see how far they can go. And eventually everyone just kind of like moves over with it, uh, especially if there's no resistance to it. And And right now you have the lemmings and those who are asleep who don't resist. They don't resist at all. Uh, they just go with the flow, as it would, as it were. And so, I think all of those points were very valid. And also, Helios, I would like to thank you for your service. Uh, you mentioned you were a vet in the chat, so thank you very much, ma'am or sir. I do appreciate you uh, deeply and truly. Carrie Lake was in the house, of course. Miss Carrie Lake, good to see you. Carrie Lake, I think was the first one in the house today. Let's see. Oh, we already got everyone in the house. Look at that. Uh, we got yeah, Carrie Lake. You're such a sweetheart. Uh, also, always in Texas. Yes, always. And Just V as well. Oh, God, you guys are like, he's talking about me. Uh, I'm not talking about you behind your back, okay? <laughs> we're face to face. Now we're just doing a chat recap. Um, but I, I really did enjoy y'all's points. I thought all of y'all had really good points. Um, um, in spite of the tension that I kind of read in between the lines. Um, but okay, let's go ahead. And you know, and, and I would have to say that I would just have to say, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking sides by any means, but you know, uh, something could be said for how things are delivered. And then something could be said for just knowing how people are. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if you know how someone is, it's not about that person being rude. Uh, it's just the personality. And and you just kind of, you know, you you adapt or you discard. And, and, then, and then there is something to be said about how you deliver and observing your audience. So you either continue being as you are or you adapt to your audience so you can kind of bend. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was trained on how to manage like 20 different personalities. I said that to someone one time. I was like, yeah, I know how to manage 20 different personalities. And they were like, oh, is that how many you have, Mr. C? And I was like, 
Oh, syntax. Anyways, okay, so back to the chat recap. Back to always in Texas asked how my sister was. Um, thank you all very much for your concern and your prayers and your well thoughts. Uh, my sister is in recovery. Um, she had surgery on her eye on uh, Thursday, I believe it was Thursday or Friday. What is today? Saturday? Yeah, Thursday it was. Um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't too invasive. But I mean, I mean, it's an eye, of course. So that's always. Uh, I, uh, to me, my, uh, my senses are so precious, um, uh, you know, because I, I don't just talk, you know, I, I dabble in, in artwork, I'm, I'm a writer, I do all these other things. So I, I value my eyes and, and my ears, and probably my hands the most. Do I need taste? I probably, it would probably be better in my life if I did not have the uh, sense of taste because I am just putting on so much weight, you know what I mean? And then that way, if I didn't have taste, at least like I could deal with eating, uh, you know, that healthy food that tends to be a little bit, you know, not as palatable as like, you know, a greasy burger or something like that. Anyways, thank you, Nylon Camel, uh, for gifting also to the Sea Report. I do appreciate that. And let's see, Geneseppe was in the house. Thank you, Geneseppe. I appreciate the gold pills that came from you. Jen K., Canadian bird. I've been dealing with some really serious health matters these past few weeks. Sorry to hear that, Jen K. Uh, you're definitely positive vibes, well wishes, and prayers going towards you, and hopefully, and not hopefully, you will, girl. You will overcome um, those um, those health matters, and and with God's speed as well. Dodi Danny, thank you so much for your gift of uh, gold pills. Uh, Helios one again. In fact, I believe they rigged it so much that no voting in any state can be taken at its face. We need audits nationwide. Here, here, um, Helios One. I totally agree with that. And I've been saying that. I've been saying that for 10 darn months. And I've been saying that. Yes, I've been saying that. We, uh, they were so focused on the five states that were held in contention. You know, the most five contentious states, right? But in, in real fact, every single state in this uh, union was affected by voter fraud. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today because I kept thinking, how on earth did Texas get wrapped into voter fraud? Because I know it did, even though we were not using Dominion voter machines. Well, guess what I found out? The Center for Tech and Civic Living was in Texas. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So, all right, so that's how, y'all, that's how. Love warns, voting has been rigged as long as there has been voting. It's not who votes, but who counts the vote that matters. Oh, yes, in an homage to Stalin, right? It's not who votes, it's who counts the votes. Truer words were never said, Miss Love warns. Roy Stones and Bones says, oh, seven to all. Uh, one Eagle Five says, oh, seven use. Guys, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm I'm late on the nomenclature. What does 07 mean? Is it 007? Um, I don't know. If someone in the chat could explain that to me, I'd appreciate it because I have no idea what it means. Okay, TikTok, thank you so much for gifting. Also, some golden pills. Do appreciate it most kindly, sir. And then TikTok's opinion says, um, there will be other rallies. I'm planning one myself. So that's pretty cool because I think at that point I was talking about how I was kind of, you know, a little jelly of everyone that got to be over live at the uh, For God and Country Patriot Roundup. So TikTok's opinion says he's planning a rally. Now that's very exciting. Now I only have to say, I only have this to say as a cautionary tale. Um, we are in rally season, you know, 
but we are also in false flag season, guys. And so I would urge you all to be very careful when it comes to rallies and major events like that. I would, I personally would decline only because they are so desperate for everything that's going on right now. They will use a false flag. They will use something, a mass shooting, a mass stabbing, whatever it is that they can come up with, they will. Okay. And so at rallies, even for Patriots, I mean, we all saw what happened. Was it in Virginia uh, um, where they had this, uh, what the ultra right, uh, ultra right uh, KKK and the neo Nazis show up and someone got killed and all that stuff? It'll happen. It may happen. I should not say it will happen, but it could happen. So I would say that we need to use, you know, we need to use extreme caution when it comes to public events like this, because they are just waiting for a false flag. And in fact, I was reading an article um, from Natural News, and I'm sure some of you guys know who Natural News is, Mike Adams. And, um, you know, Mike Adams, I don't know how well connected he is to that, uh, you know, Adam, Adam, to the Alex Jones and Infowars anymore. I know he basically got his start there. And I, I don't think that they're so connected as they used to be, but I don't know, because I don't, I don't observe Infowars anymore. But uh, Mike Adams had an article that came across my desk yesterday and um, he was talking about how someone, he didn't know who it was. Uh, he didn't know if it was a white hat or a black hat, but someone told him that they are looking to ramp up um, a, a false flag in the name of anti-vaxxers and America first and MAGA people. Uh, so that's something we really need to be careful of guys. And, uh, and the whole reason for that was of course, uh, because uh, once they have this uh, narrative out there that uh, Dr. Fauci needs to be uh, put in basically into a Nuremberg type style um, um, hearing uh, trial that uh, they would start to initiate this whole uh, anti-vaxxer, a mass shooting or so, something like that, some kind of false flag, guys. So we have to be absolutely careful. We need to use as much discretion as possible, and we really need to listen to our gut or our heart, whatever you know bucket you put that into. We really need to pay attention to what our sixth sense, as it were, our our you know, or you know, if we're like Representative Samsel that we talked about earlier today, of God's talking to us. No, I don't think it'll get that dramatic. But absolutely, we need to be aware. We need to follow our spidey sense, and if it's tingling, don't do it. Okay, so but otherwise, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, if you're gonna get, uh, if you're gonna get a, uh, if you're gonna get a rally going in your area, TikTok, I certainly hope that your governor will let you. You know what I mean? Okay, so all right, Amy Joe loves God. Uh, sorry, Amy Joe, God loves you. Hey, Amy Joe, it's so good to have you dropping into the show. I'm glad you were joining us. Uh, she said she got to catch me live, so that was pretty cool. Always in Texas said, called them yahoos. I would have called them hanyaks, but close enough. Always, what is a hanyak? <laughs> Anyways, uh, then my mom called into the show and everyone kind of talked about that. And yes, I did talk with her. Um, actually, yes, I did talk with her when uh, that video was playing. So <laughs> Anyways, okay. Uh, free indeed. Facts matter. Words are empty without facts, not denial. It's cover thy ass. So I, I'm pretty sure we are talking about um, uh, Arizona audit and uh, the Republican recorder, Richer, 
right and and his denial why well, i was saying he was denial because he has a really bad comb over but um but clearly yes it is that uh, he's trying to cya right okay and then yes uh, it's memorial day we can stand up yes we are standing up as we can well you know uh, i say stand up but i don't mean go burn down your local antifa house Obviously, I mean, get involved locally, get involved in your elections, you know, become election monitors, uh, run for city council, support someone who is constitutionally minded for city council, dig up dirt on your mayors, your governors, your state representatives, your state senators. I mean, because guess what, guys, if there if you find dirt on these people and, you know, especially if it's in your your own state, if you can do FOIA requests, if you can get information on where their campaign finances came from and stuff like that, and you get the dirt on them, you've got leverage. Now, we know that the black hats tend to use blackmail as one of their tools to get the job done. I mean, a la Epstein. Hello. So why can't patriots do that? Now, I know it's not the most godly thing to do to hold the dirt over someone. But if they are basically killing humanity, destroying America, why couldn't we use the dirt we have on them to force them to do the right constitutional thing? And then kick them out of office. You know what I mean? So that's those are just some ideas. Those are some things that, you know, I've picked up on over the years. The Patriot 1776, thank you so much for the gold pill donation. I most definitely appreciate it. Um, let's see. Free Indeed said, we have Dominion voting machines in this tiny southwest Missouri city. Now, it's interesting because from what I understand, Missouri is um, a reliably Republican or a red state, right? Well, guess what? The Center for Tech and Civic Life was also in the state of Missouri. They were everywhere, guys. We'll get to it. I promise. I promise. I promise. Anon104842 says, hello from way up in the woods up north. How you doing? Canada Dave. Good to see you, sir. Uh, free indeed. Yes, it was. Mr. C is killing it. He's doing his part. What are we going to do? Can't leave it to him to do it on his own. Get involved locally. Yes, we have to get involved locally. We have to clean up our backyards once our foundations are set, then we can go for the mountaintop, right, and get the people at the federal level. Because, uh, I mean, they can't do their work if the people at the local level aren't taking their money or are not taking orders for them or do not blindly follow them like zombies. Indeed, sir. Indeed. Joy for Trump. Uh, I always think of that song, Joy to the World, whenever I see Joy for Trump come into the room. So, hey, Mr. C, just coming home from work, and you're on. All right. So, yes, it was it was quite a good time. And uh, we had a couple more people in there. Oh, 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 Free Indeed made another good point. Most county clerks are in charge of local elections. Well, guess what we'll be looking at, at tonight's, uh, in tonight's episode of the C-Report, because it seems to me that the county clerks did not really do their jobs. When Free Indeed says, yes, all eyes on county clerks, uh, like we found out in Wisconsin, the mayors were basically overriding the county clerks by having these uh, Democrat operatives through the National Vote at Home Institute and the Center for, for Tech and Civic Living in their states. And Curious Cat was in the house, and that wraps it up for yesterday's chat recap. We already got a whole bunch of people in the house today. Thank you for joining us at the Sea Report on this Memorial Day Saturday evening. I hope you guys are having a wonderful night. Now, let's just get into some of this. Okay, now, to be sure, any article that I go through today, any video I show today, I will drop into my Discord as a link for anyone to peruse at their own free time and of their own free will. So if you'd like, 
just get in touch with me, drop a line somewhere and let me know if you'd like to get a hold of my Discord. I'll give you the link. Otherwise, do make sure that you visit me at thecreport.com, drop over to my pilled.net account and follow me there. Or, or subscribe, or I don't like to use the word follow, uh, but whatever you want to do, just go over there. So this way, you know, when I'm going live, when I'm dropping your report, hit that bell. And then uh, don't forget to share, share, share this, uh, this episode, this show, let people know about the C report over at the Foxhole app. So we can continue to grow this amazing community. Okay, guys. So what I'm going to do right now is uh, I do have like a, a primary article that I would like to present to you guys as a an outline for today's um, today's uh, information, um, and that came from the Center Square. The article's title is "How Zuckerberg Paid Millions for Progressives to Work with the 2020 Voting Officials." nationwide but i also have a whole bunch of uh videos that we will be going through and they're not all a whole they're not all, all of them are not that long but you know we'll go ahead and get through through the course of time uh the first one i'm going to share with you guys however uh will kind of give you an idea of what the center for tech and civic living again civic life again this is the zuckerberg funded nonprofit that embedded itself into our elections by giving millions of dollars and, and in some instances to different counties and cities throughout the United States of America. So let's go ahead and take a real quick look at how they advertise themselves. And then uh, we'll take it from there, ladies and gentlemen. It is inherently an American value to have a system where everyone is able to participate there's a huge gap between our democratic ideals and the system in practice. There's a little bit of confusion, a little bit of frustration. The ballot could have you scratching your head. Oh, well, it wouldn't be a presidential primary season without arcane rules and confusing ballots. 40% of U.S. adults aren't voters and aren't having a direct voice in shaping their communities. We see this huge opportunity to fix the system and building a democracy that's truly inclusive. The U.S. voting experience is overly complicated. We have myriad different rules depending on where you live that are really difficult to understand. And it can be really challenging to find the information that you need about the folks on your ballot where to go to vote easily online in the places where people are looking for it. So our work is really focused on getting all of that information to folks ahead of time and making sure the process is something that is easy and that is seamless. We have a civic data team that is working to connect people with the answers to the most pressing civic questions that people have. We aggregate big data sets that answer questions like what's on my ballot and who are my elected officials? And we standardize that for the whole country. We've been able to work with Google and with Facebook and each of these companies build their own civic engagement tools on top of our ballot data that allow their users to really easily put in their address and find out information about the candidates and referenda that they'll find when they get to the polls. There is so much inaccurate information out there about elections. This election cycle, the situation has gotten a whole lot more complicated. One in five voters lives in a state that requires photo ID to vote but don't know it. So we really see our role as providing that ground source of truth so that the information that are being serviced to people 
is accurate and doesn't misinform them. We've seen tremendous demand for this work. In 2016 alone, we had nearly 200 million hits on our ballot information project data. We also are working directly with local election departments across the country so that every election department has the skills to run secure, trustworthy, inclusive elections. How new is the voting equipment that you're using? Um, we got it in the end of 2015 for the 2016 election. Our program is about professional development for election officials, connecting them with each other for networking opportunities to share stories and best practices providing them with free resources to promote civic engagement and make voting easier in their communities, and training courses. We want to introduce today's content on data transfer with some real basic terminology. CTCL's training was very hands-on and very helpful. Nice banner picture. Mm -hmm. Very good. And then like pinning our website. Yes. We learned that from you. Yes. <laughs> they provided us with the way to get information out so that it's clear and easy for people to understand, and it's attention-getting. Do they cast a regular ballot that day, or do they cast a provisional ballot? It depends. So it's the same question, like you're saying. Since our training, they're always available. <laughs> they're like a catalyst. If there's an election office that's trying to figure something out, they most likely have the answer. They help fill in some of the cracks that the election offices are missing and aren't sure where to look for them. U.S. security officials are warning lawmakers about potential security risks ahead of this year's midterm elections. They can learn skills that meet the most pressing needs of the field today. One of the most exciting ones right now is the work that we're doing around cybersecurity. A local elections office does not have the type of cyber chops to be able to defend itself. And that's why the efforts that have been done in the last two years have been so critical. We build them in partnership with cybersecurity experts. And ultimately, when people come away from any of our training courses, they're able to immediately put something into practice. It's our hope that by doing the work we do, people feel confident in not just their elections, but democracy as a whole. Massive turnout coast to coast. Look at this line inside the gym of DeKalb County, Georgia. When we have more people participating in the process, we make better decisions together. But we still have a long way to go to really step into the potential of what democracy can look like. I don't know, guys. It seems to me that in that last few seconds, the United Nations flag was far more prominent than the United States of America flag, and that's a problem. Okay, guys. Okay, so that is what these people tout themselves to be. You know, one of those hopeful, dreamy, well-to-do, we're-gonna-help-America nonprofit organizations, right? That's kind of how these people always paint themselves to be. Uh, I didn't hear too much about how Facebook, Zuckerberg, and others were involved in that. I'm sure you guys probably didn't hear too much about it either, but let's take a quick look at their website here. Again, this is the Center for Tech and Civic Life. <laughs> if you guys noticed the edit I did on screen, it's time to push our democracy into the 21st century. So again, this was a very well-funded and well-organized and well-connected 
um, 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 operation. And, and they were everywhere, guys. They were everywhere in the United States of America. There's not a single state that these people did not touch and that they did not get involved. And, and gobs of money gobs of money went out to different counties, different townships, different cities, and they were funding their elections. They were hiring people. They were training people. They were buying equipment, among other things. So uh, that's just, uh, I mean, if you if you care to go look, techandciviclife.org. Uh, again, this was a not-for-profit, non-profit funded primarily by Mark Zuckerberg of, C- of uh, Facebook, obviously. Now, in the months leading up to November's election, we saw that voting officials in major cities and counties worked with progressive groups funded by Facebook's founder, Mark Zuckerberg, and its allies to create ballots. They were creating ballots. They were strategically targeting voters and developing cure letters in situations where mail-in ballots were in danger of being tossed out. Now, here's something else that I find very interesting about everything that we're going to cover today. Um, all of it, all of it, the, the drop boxes, the mass mailing of mail-in ballots, the extending of voting days, all that stuff is found in HR1. And uh, like I said from the beginning with that bill, it was all about legalizing the theft of a nation's elections. And that's exactly what HR1 will do. Legalize the way that they stole the elections in 2020 and make it the new normal moving forward but we're fighting against that guys we are fighting against that now the center for tech and civic life or ctcl provided millions of dollars in private funding for the elections that came from a 350 million dollar donation from zuckerberg and his wife her name is priscilla chan the CTCL gave COVID-19 response grants of varying amounts to 2,500 municipalities in 49 states. Oh, I guess they didn't touch every state in the nation. I guess they must have missed out on, a, I don't know, it was probably Hawaii or something like that over there. Anyways, let's take a real quick look at some of these places. Now, I mean, they're everywhere, guys. Like, I have only reported about them being in Wisconsin for the Wisconsin Five, right? They're everywhere. Okay, let's look at this one. Here's a news report. This comes from Cameron County. We are now 36. Hey, I'm not done yet. Cameron County. uh, Let's see. Cameron County. All right, we'll figure out where that is in a minute. But it's from Cameron County. All right, here we go. Days away from the election and One Valley County is getting nearly $2 million to make sure everything goes smoothly. Here's Channel 5's Monica de Anda. With a little over a month until Election Day, Cameron County received a $1.8 million grant from the Center for Tech and Civic Life. But that's going to go a long way to cover the cost of additional personnel, as well as additional training, um, some new equipment and uh, uh, supplies that are needed for the early voting side. Garza says the money will also allow Cameron County to expand the curbside voting, a plus as more people choose to vote from inside their car instead of going into a poll site. We saw in the July election that uh, there was a much bigger demand for uh, curbside voting, but it's never been utilized this way, and specifically because people's concern with COVID-19. Also in the plans ahead of early voting, what Garza calls two additional supercenter sites. 
primarily used to help process those using curbside voting. The location of these centers, not yet final, but likely in Harlingen and Brownsville. If we're able to provide access to ballots uh, during the early voting, it's going to reduce the pressure uh, for election day, where people won't have to worry about standing in lines uh, at their polling sites or worry that they're not going to have enough time to process their ballots before the polls close. Safety precautions like social distancing, the use of face masks, and the addition of plastic barriers are being taken to keep voters safe if they choose to vote inside a poll site. Another chunk of the money will be used to double the amount of personnel at most locations. These funds are going to help us uh, make sure that we have the additional staff to uh, retrieve the ballot boxes from the polling sites. We're also going to have uh, some decontamination equipment that we're going to be using in order to clean everything that comes from outside of the central count station. Garza says overall, the nearly $2 million grant will reduce election costs in Cameron County and help them prepare as they brace for an increase in voter turnout. Monica De Anda, Channel 5 News at 6. Okay, so uh, they said Harlingen and Brownsville, so that was in Texas. That's where that was. All right, guys, so that was... I did not give you permission, sir. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and take a look at this one. Now, this one is from Mahoning County. Mahoning County to receive grant money from Facebook founder for safe, secure elections. Let's see what this report has to say. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife donated $400 million to help election offices. Mahoning County is getting a chunk of that money. It's coming through a grant from the Center for Technology and Civic Life. Mahoning County Elections Director secured $784,000 to fund safe and secure elections. The money will pay for poll worker training and for workers to be on the job for early voting and through Election Day. It will also provide extra equipment to keep people safe from COVID-19. It actually will take care of all the COVID supplies that we had to buy for the polls and for our early voting, the acrylics that we bought, the masks, the gloves, the sanitizing. We have so much sanitizing. Um, we're going to be one of the safest counties in the state. The money will be released to Mahoning County tomorrow. So that's what they say there, right? That's what they say there. All right, well, we'll move forward. We'll move on, see what else we got for you guys. Okay, now in this one, um, okay, so this one, they took the art, they took the video out of it. So let me go ahead and expand it for you guys so we can see what it's all about. Uh, okay, so this one, uh, City of Flint receives $475,000 grant for safe voting plan. Uh, Flint, Michigan, the city of Flint received a grant just ahead of the November election. The nonprofit Center for Tech and Civic Life awarded the clerk's office $475,625. Clerk Inez Brown told city council on Wednesday that some of the money will be used to install eight more absentee drop boxes at each of the fire stations across the city. These drop box locations will have security cameras installed on them as well. Uh, Brown says from increased staffing to more training for poll workers, these funds will be used to protect each and every vote. What we're in the process of doing is recruiting an additional 200 workers, so we would have close to 500 workers on duty on election day, said Brown. In the August primary, Brown says the city got back roughly 9,300 absentee ballots. She says the pandemic played a big factor in that turnout. 
But come the presidential election in November, Brown is predicting that number will triple. We could get up to 26,000 absentee ballots requests from the community, she stated, which is why Brown is hoping to double the amount of staff on election day. We would pay them an additional $100 to each of those workers as hazard pay, she says. So uh, it says, watch the floor below. I'm like, don't tell me the full report was below. Okay, didn't think so. Didn't think so. So that one, okay, so we see the Center for Civic uh, Tech and Civic Life was in Flint, Michigan as well. They were all over Michigan, I'm sure. I mean, because Michigan is one of the most corrupt states in the union at the moment. All right, let's go ahead and check this one out. Uh, Greenfield awarded election security grant for $9,000. Well, Greenfield has received a grant aimed at election security. And 22 News reporter Kate Wilkinson joining us live from our Franklin County Bureau in Greenfield. And Kate, what exactly does this grant mean when it comes to security? Don, part of this will be going towards security de detail for both early election and on voting day itself, uh, and they will also be used for COVID-19 precautions. The grant totals a bit over $9,500, and it's coming from a nonprofit called the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Danielle Letourneau is the chief of staff of the mayor at the city of Greenfield. She says the funding will be helpful for weekend and early voting, especially during hours when City Hall isn't traditionally open. All of our clerks were excited that we were awarded the money and it's always a good thing to find additional funding for things like this because it's important to keep democracy moving and without having to, you know, squeeze our own coffers for it. And don't forget the deadline to register to vote is just three days away. That's October 24th. So make sure you get that all set and to go. You can check the Secretary of State's website to see what your registration status is. Working for you live in Greenfield, Kate Wilkinson, 22 News. Okay, so. Hey. Oh, sign the card to thank our troops. Thank you, troops. We most definitely appreciate you. So that was over in Massachusetts. Now, here's another one that had a video that was stripped off of it. And I think this is the last one that we'll take a look at. And, and Green Bay, one of the Wisconsin Five, most definitely comes into play a little bit later on. We'll take a look at. Now, let's see here. Uh, Green Bay, uh, Milwaukee, uh, the city of Green Bay is receiving more than $1 million in a grant from a nonprofit organization to help administer elections during the coronavirus pandemic. Green Bay's teamed up with the cities of Milwaukee, Madison, Racine, and Kenosha to apply for the grants from Center for Tech and Civic Life. Overall, the cities are receiving a total of $6.3 million. That's quite a hefty sum of money. I'm going to go and expand that for you guys. Uh, mayors say they will use the money to support early voting and vote by mail, recruit and train poll workers, and keep them safe. Ensure safe voting on Election Day and expand voter outreach and education efforts. Mayor Eric Greenwich says a grant from Center for Tech and Civic Life 
will help leading up to this year. We were pretty in budget leading up to August, November, but this grant will help us go up and beyond. Greenwich said, this is certainly a special situation having yet another couple elections during a pandemic. In a press release, the executive director of CTCL, Tiana Epps Johnson says, this year, election departments are facing an unprecedented challenge. To meet this challenge, CTCL is providing support to Wisconsin election officials so no voter is required to make a choice between their health and the ability to vote. Milwaukee got the most, a little more than $2 million. Madison and Green Bay each received more than $1 million. Kenosha and Racine were both awarded a little less than $1 million. Greenwich says the city is creating election navigator positions to help people with alternative voting methods. Uh, it's something we thought would be helpful in educating the electorate of how they can vote safely and securely in the upcoming elections, Greenwich said. They'll be inventing as they go, inventing as they go, inventing as they go, but the purpose is to really engage with voters, maybe with some populations that haven't voted recently. So there's that uh, article on um, uh, Green Bay receiving that money now. Of course, as I said, there's a little bit more going on over in Green Bay than they are letting on in this um, article alone, but let's go ahead and uh, get back to uh, this other one over here. Now it says, did I do it right here? Okay, perfect, okay. Now it says here that um, <clears throat> in exchange for the money, election divisions agreed to conduct their elections according to conditions set out by the CTCL. So um, in order to get these funds, in order to get these grants, they were going to have to follow whatever direction the Center for Tech and Civic Life gave them. And, and that is exactly what led former members of the New Organizing Institute, a training center for progressive groups and Dem Democrat Pan Canes to take over on that matter. Now, the CTCL partner, um, the Center for Civic Design, helped design absentee ballot forms and instructions. So not only were they also, you know, funding them and giving them directions, they were also designing the ballots, the forms, and the instructions. They also crafted voter registration letters for felons and tested automatic voter registration systems in several states, working alongside progressive activist groups in states like Michigan and also directly um, um, directly, they were working with election offices in Georgia and in Utah. So, okay, so they're everywhere, guys. Like, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Okay, so let's see here. Also, we had um, other groups with progressive leanings, including the Main Street Alliance, the Election Group, and the National Vote at Home Institute, whom we've already mentioned, provided support for some of these election offices. Now, the National Vote at Home Institute was embedded in Wisconsin, and it has since been discovered that they were basically running those municipalities' um, 2020 elections, and, and that's totally against Wisconsin state law. Like, you can, uh, the, the county clerk is the one who has to run those elections, not some joke Democrat operative from the National Vote at Home Institute. And that's exactly what happened. Now, Facebook with the Center for Tech and Civic Life 
was also part of the effort providing a guide and webinar for election officials on how to engage voters, included where directions to report voter interference on Facebook to, uh, to Facebook authorities. So apparently Facebook has these authorities that they would be reporting voter interference to. Like what deal does, do they have you know, engaging in that manner. The company also provided designated employees in six regions of the United States to handle questions. Together, the group strategically targeted voters and waged a voter assistance campaign aimed at low-income and minority residents who typically shun election participation, helping Democrat candidates win key spots all over the United States. The little explored roles of the Center for Tech and Civic Life and other such groups emerged in emails and other records obtained by real clear investigation and public documents secured by conservative litigants and groups, including the Foundation for Government Accountability, which has filed more than 800 public records requests with elections um, offices accepting these grants. Okay, so we're going to take a look at uh, some of that, those findings, okay, in regards to these emails. Now, again, like I said, we reported this at the beginning of the month, um, and uh, it was it was quite an engaging an engaging find when we see how uh, how those in Wisconsin basically got busted for doing what they were doing. Uh, so let me go ahead and pull that up on the screen for you guys, and we're going to go with. Um, let's see here. Oopsies. Did not have that ready to go, so I'm just going to pull it up real quick. There we go. And let's get that on the screen. All right, so this is from the McIver Institute. We reported on this at the beginning of the month. Now, this is where we started to see the emails. Now, this is where they got busted, basically. Uh, they got busted because they um, they found these emails that were going between a Democrat operative, uh, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, who uh, and his name is here at the top. Uh, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. Now he's the guy who is in charge of the uh, National Vote from Home Institute, who works beneath uh, the Center for Tech and Civic Living. And when they found these emails, it became abundantly clear that the mayors of the Wisconsin Five had basically um, taken over the elections and handed it to this man uh, to run their elections and override any of their uh, state and city legislation in that regard. Now, again, this came from the MacGyver Institute. Now, let's just go ahead and pull up some of these emails. So you guys can see them. So here we have an email and let me go ahead and expand that for you guys and we'll expand it a couple more times. Okay, uh, it says here, now this is, this is from Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. Now that's the Democrat operative who works for the National Vote From Home Institute. Uh, it says, Claire, great talking to you yesterday. Just a few notes on follow-ups. Can you connect me to Reed Magny? and anyone else who might make sense at the WEC. Uh, it's probably the Wisconsin Election Commission. Uh, would you also be able to make the connection with Milwaukee County Clerk? 
If you could send the procedures, manual, and any instructions for ballot reconstruction, I'd appreciate that. On my end, by Monday, I'll have our edits on the absentee voter instructions. We're pushing quick base to get their systems up and running, and I'll keep you updated. I'll revise the planning tool to accurately reflect the process. I'll create a flow chart for the VBM processing that will be able to share with both inspectors and also observers. I'll take a look at the reconstruction process and try and figure out uh, ways to make sure it's followed. Thanks, Michael. Okay, so that was one of the letters. Now, here's, here's the skinny real quick, right here. Right here. We'll take a look at this paragraph. This paragraph explains it all to you. Let me go ahead and let me go ahead and expand that a little bit more, guys, because I want to make sure you can read what I'm saying. Okay, so it says here in May, Racine Mayor Corey Mason, a hyper-partisan Democrat, emailed the mayors of Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, and Kenosha to hold a virtual meeting in which the elections administration planning grant will be discussed. That grant from Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg's Center for Tech and Civic Life would ostensibly be used to cover increased costs of running a presidential election during the COVID-19 pandemic. It says right up here, under Wisconsin law, each municipal clerk has charge and supervision of elections and registration in the municipality. This is unambiguous. It is unequivocal. Yet five of Wisconsin's largest cities, in, in them, it did not happen. The mayors met virtually at least four times from May to August to discuss their joint bid for T CTCL grant money, but Mason took the lead, and even according to an email from City of Racine attorney Vicki Selko, sought to develop a robust plan for election administration for all five of their communities. And again, um, here's here again is more of those emails. Let's go ahead and pull this one open. We'll pull this one open. We'll pull this one open. And we'll pull this one open just so we can inspect them. Now, here is a letter from Josh Goldman uh, from techandciviclife.org right here, as you can see. Uh, and he's writing to uh, Claire. Uh, oh, look, and it's also copied to Tiana Epps Johnson, who is what, the, the, the director of that. So this goes to Claire Woodall Vogue. Hi, Claire. It was a pleasure to meet during last week's safe voting plan kickoff call, and I'm looking forward to sending you more a more complete implemental implementation plan tomorrow. In the meantime, I wanted to continue the conversation about providing additional staff support. In the last in last week's call, you mentioned an interest in adding middle management staff capacity. NOAA Elections Group has a lead on an experienced election staffer that could potentially embed with your staff in Milwaukee in a matter of days and fill that kind of role. I know bringing you on, bringing on a new member to your team is a big decision, so I wanted to make sure you and Noah could connect and talk through your interest and possible next steps. I'll let you take it, uh, let you both take it from here. Thanks, Claire. I'll email more complete technical assistance support plans tomorrow for your review. In the meantime, don't hesitate to let me know if you have any questions. Program manager at Tech and Civic Life Center. Next email. Now, this one comes from Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. 
And this is the guy that they're trying to embed. This is who they were talking about in that last email, right? And they're trying to embed this guy. And he is uh, he's the one who works, again, for the National Vote From Home Institute. The email says, um, hi, Claire, a couple of things for you. Do you need any PPE other for poll workers or your staff or for voters? We have a few partners offering masks, face shields, gloves, and hand sanitizers. We need to schedule a follow-up to go over central count training with you and Mike. Does tomorrow, 11 to uh, 1 or 2 to 4, Thursday afternoon, etc. cetera. Uh, does that work for you? As a reminder, we discussed covering steps for resolving discrepancies between the ballot count and machines. Do you call this reconciliation? Did you hear that? They discussed steps for resolving discrepancies between the ballot count and machines. Wonder what that's all about, right? Uh, recommended processes, frequently asked questions, other topics for training video and other materials. So that was that was one from then. Next one comes from Megan Wolf, um, elections at wisconsin.gov. And that was sent to a whole bunch of people, sent to uh, uh, Chris Tesk from Green Bay, sent to uh, Mary Beth Witzel Bell from the city of Madison, sent to Tara Coolidge from the city of Racine, sent to Michelle Nelson from the city of Kenosha. Um, so this, this must be the one. Now it says Green Bay, Madison, Racine, and Kenosha. Passing along a recommendation and a resource from Milwaukee. Just wanted you to be aware in case you thought this might be a group you are interested in working with or learning more about. Claire and O Milwaukee okayed me sending this along, and it sounds like you should reach out to Michael. That's Michael uh, Rubenstein, uh, Spitzer Rubenstein, the guy from National Vote From Home Institute, if you are interested in learning more. And then it says down here from Claire Wood Vogue of Milwaukee to Wisconsin, to Wisconsin. Uh, so basically, she's mailing out to her people. Hi, Megan, Richard, and Reed. I just wanted to reach out and connect you with Michael Spitzer Rubenstein and Hillary Hall from the Vote at Home Institute in case you think other clerks or the Wisconsin Elections Commission staff would find working with them useful. All right. And finally, on Wednesday, September 16th. Oh, that's my birthday. Okay. Uh, Claire Woodall Vogue wrote, while I completely understand and appreciate the assistance that is trying to be provided, I am definitely not comfortable having a non-staff member involved in functions of our voter database, much less recording it. While it is a pain to have uh, to remember to generate a report each night and less than ideal, it takes me less than five minutes. Without consulting with the state, which I know they don't have the capacity or interest in right now, I don't think I'm comfortable having USDR get involved when it comes to our voter database. I hope you can see where I'm coming from. This is our secure database that is certainly already receiving hacking attempts from outside forces. Now, I think that Claire kind of saved her butt there because um, Green Bay did give Michael Spitzer Rubenstein access to their voter databases in secure locations, and uh, they got called out for that. So anyways, those are the emails there that connect the dots for everyone and how the CTCL through uh, their, I guess, their subsidy, uh, subsidiary type of organization got involved and was embedded in the Wisconsin Five. Just an example of how they did that, right? It's just an example. So that's that there. Now, let's see here. 
uh, we have uh, we have here where it says that uh, previously the Zuckerberg funded effort has been described in general positive terms, uh, notably when NPR in December uh, had written an article, and this article was called "How Private Money from Facebook CEO Saved the 2020 Election." So of course, of course, that's what they would be saying about that now. Let's see. I have that article here for you guys as well. We'll take a quick look. Okay, so this is NPR for you guys. This is NPR. How private money from Facebook CEO saved the 2020 elections. And uh, it, it goes on to say, um, let's see, Bill Turner knew he had a tough job. He took over as acting director of voter services in Chester County, Pennsylvania in September. There was a huge voter turnout that was expected, and COVID-19 required elections managers like Turner to handle mail-in ballots on a scale they'd never seen and confront the threat of the sickness to their staffers. Uh, let's see, it goes on about their tight budget. Now, I don't want to fund you, NPR, because you use my money against me in propaganda. Okay, so let's see here. Okay, so this was uh, this was something interesting. Now, the Center for Tech and C Civic Life gave grants to more than 2,500 jurisdictions this year to help departments pay for election administration. The money arrived as historically underfunded election department budgets were sapped from unforeseen purchases during the primaries and were forced to spend money on election workers, postage, and printing for the increasing number of voters who wanted to vote by mail. Check this out, guys. This is everywhere that the CTCL is. I'm going to expand that for you. Do you see that, y'all? This is everywhere they are in our country. This is everywhere that Zuckerberg's money went. Zuckerbucks, this is it right here, guys. They only got one place in Utah. They got one place in Nevada where it counts, right, over in, in Las Vegas. But look at that. Check this out, y'all. Look at how infested Texas is. So dirty. Sir, sir, dirty. This is terrible. Oh, don't even tell me Louisiana is not the, is the only state that... <laughs> is it Louisiana? Louisiana is the only state that didn't have them? Let me look. Dang, Louisiana! My hat goes out to you, Louisiana. Check that out. I thought I thought it was like Hawaii that didn't have them in there. It was Louisiana. Check that out. Louisiana said no to Zuckerbucks. Louisiana said no. Good job, Louisiana. Good job. Way to way to really have good intuition on that. Okay, so Louisiana did not have Zuckerbucks in their city, right? I'm pretty sure I'm looking at that right. Yeah, here's the Texas borderline. There's uh yeah, there's Missouri. <laughs> Wow, I'm impressed. I am impressed. Good job. Good job, Louisiana. Good job. Okay, so that's everywhere that they were. I think that's the whole reason why I wanted to show you that that one website anyhow. But yeah, you know, the, the mainstream, lamestream, legacy propaganda media, they touted, uh, you know, the CTCL and uh, Mark Zuckerberg as being the grand saviors, right? They were the grand saviors. Anyways, yeah, that's pretty crazy, guys. That's pretty crazy. So let's see here. Uh, let's go ahead and get back to this. Um, let's see. We already looked at the national vote from home. So uh, this was just all the scandal that was being ensconced in all this. Wisconsin was definitely embedded in it. Wisconsin's coming under fire because of this now. Um, it was, we reported yesterday, no, yeah, yesterday it was, 
because I forget we had a report earlier this morning uh, that um, the Wisconsin uh, legislature, uh, legislature, as corrupt as the Republican Party is, they have hired three retired officers to audit them. But what they're actually doing is they're going to be investigating the CTCL. So I find that kind of interesting. I'm like, okay, well, you know that it was corrupt, I guess, and you, you're not going to actually count the ballots or audit the ballots, but you're going to investigate the CTCL. We'll take it for now. I don't know where it's going to go uh, because I, I, I think that, you know, the speaker over there and, uh, and others probably took money from the CTCL and that's where they're doing. They're paying off all of these people. Okay, so let's go ahead and take a look at some other video. Uh, this one is a video where the concern about how this is affecting uh, national elections on a local level is starting to take hold because of money that's coming from uh, the likes of Mark Zuckerberg and big tech influence. More on this, I'm joined by Aaron Perini, the press communications director for the Trump campaign. Uh, are you you feel like you're getting uh, an unfair shake from uh, big tech, from the from the social media giants, Aaron? Absolutely, but listen, President Trump has never gotten a fair shake. Whether it's you know big tech, whether it's the mainstream media. Whether you know it, it's the Democrat elites that that are on the boards of these mainstream media companies, President Trump's never gotten a fair shake. So we know how to work with that, and we're going to continue to point out the hypocrisy, point out the fact that so many members of these big tech companies are putting their thumbs on the scales to try and suppress Trump voters, try and suppress the First Amendment rights of Americans across this country. You better believe we're going to go and push back against that, President Trump is his strongest advocate and he will be out there pushing the facts to make sure the American people know exactly what's going on because they want to try to silence us, but they can't. They can't stop this movement and they cannot stop this president, although they are certainly trying. The polls appear to be tightening, at least in the battleground states, according to the real clear politics average. Uh, the president is, is behind Joe Biden about 4.3%. But that's actually a smaller margin than he faced at this point in the campaign when he was up against uh, Hillary Clinton. I suppose you could say he probably likes his odds at this point. Well, there's no greater closer in political history than President Trump. We know that as a fact. We've seen it. Look at our last two rallies the president just had. In Michigan, 36% of the registrants didn't vote in 2016. And in the event in Wisconsin yesterday in Janesville, about a quarter of those registrants didn't vote in 2016 either. So not only do we have more people coming into the fold, but we have two things that Joe Biden will never have. One, we have the candidate with the message that is resonating with the American people. Make America great again, whether it's trade deals, bigger paychecks, or holding big tech accountable. The American people know they have a fighter in President Trump. Remember, President Trump has given back every paycheck he has received as president of the United States. He is doing this really as a volunteer position at this point for the American people. And two, we have enthusiasm for our candidate. President Trump has people who are motivated, activated, and talking to their friends, their family, and their neighbors. There's one volunteer we have. Her name is Bonnie. She herself has made over 100,000 voter contacts for President Trump. If she's doing the laundry or just walking around the house, she's making voter contacts to get that message out there. Joe Biden doesn't have that. That's why he's not out on the campaign trail. That's why he has surrogates out there. And Bonnie's just one of the two and a half million members of the Army for Trump 
who are out there making sure we get our voters out on election day. Well, Joe Biden has been derided by the president and your campaign for, you know, running his campaign from the basement, but it's working for him. I mean, we said earlier in the uh, in this interview, he's up by 4.3% in the battleground states. I would not say that Joe Biden's campaign strategy is working for him because if it was, you would think that he'd be in a better position. Listen, 56% of the American people think they're better off now than they were four years ago. And 62% of the American people don't share their political affiliations. That's the silent majority we talk about. Joe Biden's in the basement because he thinks he can run the Hillary Clinton playbook. Listen, if he wants Donald Trump to be out there, the president's not going to stop. He's not going to slow down. You see him out on the West Coast doing event after event, talking to supporters, talking to the American people, bypassing big tech in the mainstream media. If Joe Biden wants to try to be president of the United States, he should maybe try and fight for the job because Donald Trump fights for the job and he fights for the American people. That gets voters energized. Nobody's excited about Joe Biden. Senator Ron Johnson is chair of the Homeland Security Committee in the Senate. Uh, he said uh, that, that some of the recent uh, articles that have come out about Joe Biden raise national security concerns. Listen. Remember, everybody justifying the, the investigation, the false allegations against the Trump campaign was, can you imagine the national security threat, the, the threat of blackmail against a sitting president if these connections are true? Well, take whatever was alleged that was proven false against President Trump and multiply that by orders of magnitude of just what we've scratched the surface in terms of un uncovering of this vast web of connections with Chinese nationals, ties to the China, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, the People's Liberation Army. Do you think uh, that voters are aware of some of this, and, and do they all do they care that much in a time of COVID and and economic uncertainty? Well, yes, the American people care a lot about this, but while big tech and the mainstream media don't want to talk about the fact that it's clear if Joe Biden wins. China wins. And there are serious questions about whether or not Joe Biden is compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. That should worry every American. And we're going to continue to talk about it. Listen, the mainstream media got a chance to ask Joe Biden a question today. And what did they ask? What flavor of ice cream are you eating? Journalistic integrity is dead and gone in this country. People need to push Joe Biden and figure out what actually happened here. And it should worry the American people because these are actual questions that matter. Not only is Joe Biden a swamp creature, Biden Inc. is just as corrupt as Clinton Inc. was, and the American people know when it comes to the economy, they've got the right man at the helm. Those are two messages you better believe we're gonna to drive to election. Very quickly, I wanna read from you uh, from the New York Post piece about Kristen Welker. She is to be the moderator of the upcoming debate. She's the NBC White House correspondent. The New York Post writes, Welker comes from an established Democratic family who've poured cash into party coffers and to Trump opponents for years. In 2012, Welker and her family celebrated Christmas at the White House with the Obamas. What does the campaign have to say about that? Well, whether it's the Presidential Debate Commission, Big Tech, or these quote-unquote unbiased moderators. There is nothing unbiased in the media anymore. People just need to be honest and be open with the American people. Listen, the media is out to get Donald Trump. They have been for years and every step of the way. And he's not afraid to push back and point out those hypocrisies and still get the facts to the American people. Listen, Joe Biden has the Presidential Debate Commission, big tech, Democrats, all these Hollywood elites trying to prop him up and get him across the finish line. And Donald Trump is doing this for the American people. 
And even with everybody trying to put their finger on the scale against him, we are still heading in the right direction to make America great again, again. All right, we'll leave it there. Great, great video, y'all. I mean, yes, they're putting the finger on the scale. That's for sure. But uh, we hear more about the Center for Tech and Civic Life, right? Okay, so I know, guys, I just dropped an article on Tucker Carlson, the other show, that talked about how he was good friends with Hunter Biden. And when people were asking if Hunter Biden, uh, where he was, it's quite possible that uh, Tucker Carlson might have known. But still, he does address Mark Zuckerberg's uh, massive donation, among other good things. But uh, we'll go ahead and listen to this real quick. There's also new information tonight about donations from the wealthiest people in the country that found their way to local election officials all over America. Because billionaires don't yet have enough influence in this country, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife apparently gave $350 million to a nonpartisan nonprofit called the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Right. Yeah. The group then redistributed the funds to government officials essentially to help them conduct the 2020 election. Again, we're just relieved that tech moguls are finally getting some influence on American life. Scott Walter, the president of the Capital Research Center, has looked into these donations and joins us tonight to tell us what he's found. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Great. To what here. was this about exactly? Well, for years, the left has been spending a fortune every cycle through these supposedly nonpartisan nonprofits to juice turnout among the demographics and in locations that help get their people elected. Smart strategy, right? This year, they took it to a new level, and they supercharged it first with that $350 million. Usually, it's maybe around $100 million by a variety of places like you know, Soros' foundation, Ford Foundation, that sort of thing. But Zuckerberg supercharged it with $350 million to one nonprofit, and then it went to thousands of local election officials. And we're starting to do an analysis at the Capital Research Center, state by state. Uh, and we found, the first, in our first analysis for, of Georgia, he got some serious return on investment. I mean, I got to take three steps back and ask, if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you already control social media, the way that people communicate with their loved ones in America. You're a billionaire by 30. Do you really need to control our elections, too? Why didn't they even say anything about this? Well, you know, I, uh, I can only guess at his motives, but there are two that look really obvious to me. Uh, would you rather have Biden in the White House or Trump in the White House if you're scared about tech regulation? That's not hard. And then second, he's getting a lot of grief from the left because he's not oppressing conservatives enough on Facebook. So, mm -hmm. hey, hand in an election. So is there a, an effort, a systematic effort to determine what the effect of these donations were on election night? Well, uh, I'm only aware of our effort. Uh, as I said, we're doing state-by-state -state analysis. We started with Georgia. I'll give you two quick stats that are pretty impressive. You look at the 10 counties that the Center for Tech and Civic Life appears to have given the biggest grants to. They're not, of course, doing full disclosure, but as best we've been able to uncover, 10 biggest uh, grants went nine out of 10 Biden counties. And then if you look at the 10 counties in Georgia out of 159, they had the biggest shifts in the Democrat direction. Average shift of 14 points, which is huge in an election. They funded nine out of 10 of those. So, you know, I, I got to say, 
is so frustrating to watch is the left is incredibly organized. They understand how systems work and they want to control the system. The people who actually like America and would like to preserve it are not very organized. Like they make a lot of noise on TV and stuff, but they don't seem to kind of get their act together in order to affect long-term change. Have you noticed this? No, it's, it's absolutely true. And in this case, one of the problems, well, one of the fixes would be to make it illegal for these C3 nonprofits to do voter registration and get out the vote by themselves, much less handing it off to government officials. But the law is murky. So on the conservative side, people are scared. I don't want to break the law. So they don't do it. And on the left-wing side, well, of course, they're shameless. Yeah, because they control the system. So there's no punishment. I mean, if you're Roger Stone, you're going to jail for the rest of your life. But, you know, these guys will never be punished for anything, as you well know. Scott Walter, great to see you tonight. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, so that was a little piece real quick from over at Tucker Carlson land, otherwise known as Hunter Biden's best friend. Right? Right? Okay. Now let's go ahead and get to some more of the deep stuff. And by the way, guys, I cannot believe how big Maine Coons are. Those things are huge. I don't know if I'd want one. Probably be scared of it. Okay, it's like a like a a bobcat or something. All right. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and check out this now. This is from um, this is from the Epoch Times. We all know what kind of reporting the Epoch Times does. Quite quality. Uh, let's see what they have to say about the situation. Hey. The Amistad Project held a press conference on December 16th to release a report exposing 10 nonprofit organizations funded by five foundations. The group alleges that hundreds of millions of dollars were injected into the election, with $500 million coming from Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. The funds were used to purchase voting machines, set up ballot boxes, and buy up local elections officials, according to the report. Phil Klein, the former attorney general of Kansas, hosted a national press conference on December 16th. Klein is currently the director of Amistad Project, a subsidiary of the Thomas More Society, a national public interest law firm. This report and the evidence we're going to share today demonstrates that Mr. Zuckerberg's funds flowing through charities paid for the election judges, paid for the satellite offices to turn out the vote, paid for the machines, and dictated the policies that undermine state law. Klein released a 39-page report at the press release, which accused Zuckerberg of buying up election officials and influencing American voters to turn out the vote for the benefit of Joe Biden. The Amistad Project began to monitor digital loopholes in the electoral system in each state in the spring of 2019. According to the report, Zuckerberg donated most of the funds to the Center for Tech and Civil Life, CTCL, a nonprofit organization. CTCL claims on its website that we connect election officials with tools and trainings so they can best serve their communities. We provide information the public needs to develop lifelong civic habits. Klein cited the various ways CTCL intervened in the election. Earlier this year, the organization began sending agents into states to recruit certain Democrat strongholds to prepare grants requesting monies from it. For example, the center gave $100,000 to Corey Mason, the mayor of Racine, Wisconsin, to recruit four other cities to develop a plan and request a larger grant from it. Those five cities submitted a Wisconsin Safe Election Plan in June and received $6.3 million to implement it. The plan circumvented voter identification requirements for absentee ballots with the excuse of the pandemic. 
It also initiated the use of drop boxes for ballot collection and the consolidation of counting centers, making it very difficult for Republican poll watchers to monitor the voting process and ballot counting. The provision of Zuckerberg's CTCL funds allowed these Democrat strongholds to spend roughly $47 per voter, compared to $4 to $7 per voter in traditionally Republican areas of the state. Moreover, this recruiting of targeted jurisdictions for specific government action and funding runs contrary to legislative election plans and invites government to play favorites in the election process, the report states. Klein also pointed out local governments did not need the infusion of private funding to help them run the elections this year. On March 27, 2020, the Congress enacted the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security CARES Act to help each state with pandemic control, including election-related costs from COVID-19. This privatization of elections cannot be allowed to stand. It allows billionaires into the counting room and undermines the integrity of the election, Klein said. This effectively is a shadow government running our elections. Due to some new restrictions on social media, our... Okay, so that was a little piece from the Epic Times. It's summed up pretty precisely and concisely there. Makes me think if I'd played that at the head of this episode, I wouldn't be an hour and a half in. Anyways, just a joke, guys. Just a joke. So uh, clearly, as you can see, CTCL was everywhere. And the whole gist of the matter is that they were undermining elections per state legislation. And they were effectively running, uh, you know, certain areas of states and counties where they could be more effective for, for getting the progressive and the Democrats to get them in. Now, some other places that the CTCL were in, uh, they were also uh, they were also in uh, places like uh, Lansing, Michigan. The elections department used four hundred and forty three thousand dollars worth of grant money to buy more absentee ballot drop boxes and mail absentee ballot applications to every registered voter. Now, what they should say is mail-in ballot, not absentee, because you know that there is a difference there. In Georgia, the grants were used to expand curbside voting and conduct the necessary voter outreach to promote absentee voting and encourage higher percentages for our electors to vote absentee according to grant applications. Sorry. Middle distracted here. Let me get this up here. Uh, let's see. In Lourdes County, Georgia, CTCL grant money was used to pay $15,000 in attorney fees through June. A county elections official told RCI that the money was paid to lawyers handling public records requests stemming from the elections, a process that she expects will last into the summer. CTCL was very lenient regarding how they could spend their money. Um, and they uh, put virtually no restrictions on it as long as it related to the elections. Now, in Mahoning County, Ohio, they spent $3,500 on one student to monitor Twitter and Facebook and to report any bad actors that may want to disrupt their operations. Um, and so that grant money was also spent to produce a training video for election workers now, that kind of makes me think about uh, the, the COVID relief money and how they're spending that on lotteries now, like they're just wasting their money. Okay, uh, it says here in Lorain County, Ohio, they paid $8,100 
for a Verizon bill. And then they spent $24,000 on a van at a local car dealership. And the van was used to transport equipment between a warehouse and the elections department in Boone County, Missouri. Uh, the elections department used $3,000 of the COVID grant to make a rap video to buy radio spots. And they did that to appeal to younger and first-time voters. That's what the Boone County clerk said. Uh, so, they, like I said, these guys were everywhere. They were everywhere. Where else were they? Webb County, Texas. In Webb County, Texas, they received $2.8 million from CTCL for voter registrations that were increased by 10,000 over 2016. And the new recruits in South Texas County voted for President Biden by a two to one margin. Okay, um, let's see, in Fairfax County, Virginia, they received $1.4 million in CTCL funding and Democrats increased voter turnout by 65,458 compared to the 10,564 from the 2020 to the 2016 election. So they were definitely putting their money into play there. Uh, and like, as this one uh, last video pointed out, that was definitely something of a shadow government or a shadow operation that they were using to run um, against, uh, well, I mean, to run during the elections period. Okay, so now what we're going to look at is going to be, okay, so um, the gentleman that was over here, with uh, Tucker Carlson, he actually testified during the uh, he actually testified during the Arizona, the Georgia, and the Pennsylvania um, hearings regarding um, uh, the election fraud that took place during the 2020 election. So we'll take a look at these real quick, and uh, you know, again, this just just goes to show exactly what the CTCL is, what they do, who funded it. It's all Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerbucks and how involved they were in these elections. So let's go ahead and uh, sit back spell. Mr. Chairman, are we ready for the next speaker? Yes, okay, Mr. Chairman. Uh, next we'll go to Scott Walter with Capital Research Center. Mr. Walter, you're gonna have one minute. The floor is yours. Your no, go ahead and unmute your microphone, please. There yes. we go. Uh, Chairman Kavanaugh. Members of the committee, thanks for letting me testify. I'm Scott Walter of the Capital Research Center, a nonprofit watchdog. I would think left and right could agree. Should Arizona's elections be governed by you, the people's representatives, or by one big tech billionaire? Billionaires' donations and dark money are widely attacked, including by at least four committee members. The nonprofit that spurred this bill, Center for Tech and Civic Life, or CTCL, funded by Facebook billionaire Mark Zuckerberg, is dark, refusing to disclose its donors, and worse, it's kept dark how much money went to which election offices, though federal law requires reports publicly of grants of $5,000 or more. We've studied the data for Arizona and seven more states. Highlights are in my written testimony, but the pattern is simple. It's more likely to fund heavily Democratic jurisdictions and do so disproportionately. I urge you to investigate its dealings with every Arizona election office. Did it initiate funding, set preconditions? Did counties follow Arizona laws? 10 seconds. Ads? Who, hired, who was hired and from where? You have to decide whether you want nonprofits privatizing Arizona's elections. I'm happy to take questions. Um, Mr. Chair, uh, thank you. I, I just want to correct uh, uh, the testimony. Um, actually, one of the highest uh, 
grantees uh, by the Center for Tech and Civic Life was actually Pinal County, which um, last I checked, I, I think it's uh, Republicans who represent that, that county and, and uh, uh, outnumber the Democrats in that area. Uh, so I, I just, I think it's important to correct it. Somehow it was more democratic skewing areas that benefited from the grant. I think across the board, counties uh, that, that sway uh, across the political spectrum move that out and just, uh, um, so I, I, yes, I, I just wanna make sure members are aware of that. Mr. Chairman. Yeah, question, Mr. Chairman, uh, Mr. Walter, would you go ahead and just expound on that? I assume it sounded like you extrapolated more data uh, than simply the state of Arizona. Would you just touch on the point that Representative Salman just made, please? Sure. In Arizona, uh, well, first of all, I should say, if, if she knows all the data, I'd love to get it. I Please, please send it. Make it public. They refuse to do so. They've refused the New York Times, the Associated Press, and other groups. Yes, repeatedly. I'll send you. I see some people foolishly saying no. I'm happy to send you articles in those publications saying they were refused the data that apparently uh, one representative on the committee has. It's wonderful if she does. I'd love to see it. Uh, Arizona, the disproportionate funding was less bad than usual, but here's the easy, easy data for Arizona, okay? Uh, you have nine counties that got funding. You have six counties that did not. Um, everywhere you did have greater turnout in this election versus the 2016 election. But listen to these simple numbers. In the counties that were funded, the Republican votes increased 46% more than they increased in the unfunded counties. On the Democrat side, the counties that were funded saw an 81% better vote increase than the ones that were not funded. Um, again, you're shaking your head. I'm happy to send, I have the spreadsheet. I'll send the spreadsheet. <laughs> We're gonna try to stop that Zoom, inter-Zoom debate. <laughs> okay, so, so the point is, the effect is heavily partisan, which by the way, violates 501c3, federal law that says you cannot have the effect of helping one party. Ms. Walsh, thank you for that explanation. Oh, <laughs> whoops. Sorry, you see why I can't look at chat? <laughs> you see why I can't look at chat when I'm on the air? All right, and, and, and you know, guys, I know this is like, uh, this is like a bit of a, we're, this is like a dissection and investigation into this topic. So, uh, and presented in this format. So anyways, okay, so I think I was just bringing about you guys a little bit about what the CTCL is all about. Um, and I'm sure that the idea is pretty much gotten. So let's take a look at this one. Now, this is where um, Scott Walker presented his case at the Georgia Senate in regards to the Center for Tech and Civic Life. We only got one more video, guys. We're almost at the end of this. Actually went a little bit longer than I promised that it would. But uh, thanks for hanging in there, guys. I appreciate you. Walter, Scott Walter. Okay. Uh, Chairman Ligon, uh, distinguished members of the subcommittee, thank you for the opportunity to discuss the issue of a private interest group selectively funding Georgia election offices. I applaud your investigating all sorts of election irregularities but even if, for the sake of argument, 
not one vote in the sorry can i interrupt you can you announce who you're with and i i apologize that's okay i'm scott walter uh president of the capital research center okay uh washington dc we're a think tank that specializes in studying uh the nonprofit world thank you sorry so that no trouble as i said uh just for the sake of argument let's say not one vote in the whole state was fraudulent or miscounted, you would still have the problem that I'm here to describe, and it did not occur only in the past. As we speak, the very same private nonprofit uh, is continuing to offer local Georgia election offices uh, money. This supposedly nonpartisan nonprofit is itself funded to the tune of $350 million by one billionaire family, uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's. Why should this disturb you or the citizens of Georgia? I can answer that with a simple question. Does every one of you facing your next election know that some geographic locales hold more votes for you than others? Do you know the demographic characteristics of persons most likely to vote for you? Their ages, marital status, sex, race, and the like. Of course you do. That's how you and every candidate build electoral majorities and win. Political activists in and out of the official political parties know these simple truths as well, and they use ever more sophisticated micro-targeting to turn out voters. That's fine when the activists are connected to our political parties or when they're in groups like the National Rifle Association or Planned Parenthood, whose legal status publicly acknowledges that they intend to influence public policy, register voters, and otherwise engage in political battles in ways that often benefit one political party or the other. By contrast, it's not right when in Georgia and other battleground states, you have political parties and elections significantly helped by the type of nonprofit that's not supposed to get in the middle of elections, the so-called 501c3 nonprofit that's supposed to be charitable, educational, religious, and strictly nonpartisan. I don't want to see donors or C3 nonprofits anywhere along the political spectrum subtly manipulating elections through gifts to government offices. But this year in Georgia, tens of millions of dollars from that single nonprofit uh, funded by that single billionaire family, the Zuckerbergs, first flowed into a C3 called the Center for Tech and Civic Life. And then those millions flowed into dozens of Georgia election offices not in all the counties, only in 44 of the state's 159 counties, according to CTCL's limited public disclosure. More than two-thirds of counties in Georgia received nothing. That money made a dramatic difference in your election this November, and it was not a nonpartisan difference. You shouldn't be surprised the center's results were not were partisan because its leaders all come from a democratic aligned uh, nonprofit group called the New Organizing Institute, which was so successful boosting the Democratic Party in elections that the Washington Post gushed it was, quote, the Democratic Party's Hogwarts 
of digital wizard wizardry, close quote. Online messaging and all forms of voter outreach were this group's bread and butter. These wizards know how to turn the right people into registered voters and get them to the polls for their favored candidates. The Capital Research Center, where I work, has not been able to verify all the funding the Center for Tech and Civic Life gave Georgia counties because the Center isn't disclosing its grants to us or the Associated Press or other inquirers, even though it will have to disclose those grants uh, in its next IRS filing a year from now. But using local government records and news accounts, we've captured many of the grant amounts, including what were likely the largest ones given to the largest urban areas. I'll read you just a few of our findings. While I do, ask yourself, do these numbers sound nonpartisan? Should private interest groups like this, backed by a billionaire or two, rather than the state legislators of Georgia, be allowed to pick and choose where to boost election funding and turnout in the peach state. First, hoping to forestall criticisms like mine, I suspect, CTCL funded more counties won by Republican candidate Trump than by Democratic candidate Biden, 27 counties to 17. But that's misleading. A much better comparison, CTCL funded 21% of Trump counties versus 55% of Biden counties. So Biden County was over two and a half times more likely to receive funding. Nine out of 10 of CTCL's largest grants went to Biden counties. Or look at the 10 counties in Georgia that had the biggest shifts toward the Democratic candidate in their voting from 2016 to 2020. Nine of the 10 received CTCL grants. And those nine grantees averaged a 13.7% shift toward the Democrat. Two of the counties, Cobb and Gwinnett, were among the four counties that delivered Biden the most votes. Of those four counties that gave Biden 100,000 votes or more, CTCL funded all four. Clayton, DeKalb, Fulton, and Gwinnett. And it funded those counties lavishly. Per capita, those counties were funded between $4.38 and $10.47 for every man, woman, and child. By contrast, so far as we currently know, only one county, won by Trump, was funded over a dollar per capita. That was Cherokee, but its Democratic vote leapt up 70% compared to a 24% rise in its Republican vote. Trump counties like Carroll, Camden, and Lumpkin got around a half buck or less. Biden counted, sorry, Biden carried 33 counties that delivered him 10,000 votes or more. CTCL funded 70%. By contrast, Trump carried 46 counties uh, by 10,000 votes or more, CTCL funded only 20%. So that means the most vote-rich counties for Biden were three and a half times more likely to be funded than Trump's most vote-rich counties. In sum, if you total the votes in all the 44 counties that CTCL funded, 
the Republican presidential vote rose by 207,000 this election versus the last. The Democratic presidential vote jumped by 530,000, or more than two and a half times the Republican rise. Of course, the CTCL is not the only factor in this year's elections in Georgia, but I insist it is not a small factor. I urge you to investigate every dealing it had with every county. Did the contacts begin from the center's side? What preconditions did the center put on its funding? Did the counties fulfill their budgetary and other obligations under Georgia state law when using these funds? Who designed voter education material and advertisements? Was any money spent on training that would help prevent vote fraud, such as how to match signatures? Above all, I urge you to consider whether you ever again want to permit privatized elections in Georgia where wealthy donors steal, steer resources so unequally and inequitably. Some states forbid such funding. You can too. Okay. So there we go. That was, <laughs> sorry guys, I'm like so wrapped up into, I'm multitasking too, okay? <laughs> so hold on. That was, that was, uh, that was yes, that indeed was Scott Walker uh, speaking in regards to where that money is going. Okay, so we have one more that we'll play. And then this is from the Pennsylvania testimony. Uh, and so just so you could see that this man was actually engaging the state legislatures about all of this information. They have it there, you know, but uh, as I was engaging in chat um, about um, how this is going on, we had, um, I have to pause the chat. Hold on. <laughs> Don't move too fast now, guys. Okay. So uh, uh, just fed up said, I know we need to learn and expose it. It just seems to never end. So yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, we can, we as constituents, as, you know, um, uh, uh, shareholders in these United States of America, right? We can bring this to our legislators. We can bring it to their attention. We can let them know, hey, we don't want y'all to be accepting money from private organizations or from nonprofit organizations, NGOs, like, no, like that has to stop. I mean, it's kind of like corporations, right? When they start donating thousands or millions of dollars to a campaign and it's like your politicians might as well be wearing their corporation on their, your suit, you know, like what if I had a big old, like a big old Coca-Cola, like across my suit. Right. And, you know, just like the NASCAR drivers, like they may as well be like that and have all of their companies on their suit that are funding them. Right. Well, we do know that seven States this year, did pass legislation that either prohibits or limits election departments from accepting private funding. So it's starting, guys, just like these audits that are slowly picking up speed, where we're, we're learning and we're seeing and we're, we're figuring out what devices all of these people use to defraud us of our, our voice, therefore defrauding us of our freedom or taking it from us. Um, the ball will get rolling. So we just have to be aware of it, right? Because knowledge is power, right? Or knowing is half the battle. Because if you know, 
then you can start to formulate your plan or your method on how you're going to get there to overcome. You know, I mean, I, I mean, as long as you know what the problem is, I say you are in a good position to stop it. So seven states have already moved into this direction. Now, that's only seven of 50, right? But that's not a long jump from getting the ball rolling on the rest of them, especially when people start to figure out how these people did it. Because don't forget, election fraud happened across the board in the United States of America. And it wasn't just in the most highly contested five states. And it happened in a myriad of different ways. It wasn't just one way. Like in Arizona alone, they're probably going to find like 10 different ways that they committed fraud in that state alone. And then we also got to see how the CTCL, Center for Tech and Civic Living, donated money over in Arizona too. So that's another avenue. They, they had the gauntlet laid out against Americans, America, and the Constitution, and now we're taking it back because we are awake and we are standing together to organize this revolutionary movement. Now let's get through this last video so I can let you guys go for the night. I've kept you far too long, and then we'll call it a night, guys. So uh, let's go again. Thank you guys for tuning in again. This was a, this was a heavy special report, let me tell you what. Uh, and Let's go. Swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give is true to the best of your knowledge, information, believe. If so, please indicate by saying, I do. I do. Thank you. And the floor is yours, sir. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman and Representative Davidson, distinguished members of the committee. Thanks for letting me testify. I'm Scott Walter, president of the Capital Research Center in Washington, D.C., a think tank that's a watchdog on nonprofits. I'm also lucky enough to be the husband of a Pennsylvania girl with deep roots in the Commonwealth. Some years ago, living in Pennsylvania, I learned how many citizens wanted the Commonwealth to privatize liquor stores. Yet the political class has refused to privatize the sale of liquor to this day. So it amazes me that no question appears to have been raised in 2020 when one big tech billionaire funding one supposedly nonpartisan nonprofit effectively privatized the Commonwealth's elections. I refer to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, who funded the Center for Tech and Civic Life, or CTCL, which in turn sent millions of dollars straight into local government election offices in Pennsylvania and many other states with strings attached. Personally, I don't want donors or nonprofits anywhere on the political spectrum manipulating elections through gifts to government offices. That's the reason I testify to you today. One would think the question whether permit private funding of Pennsylvania's election offices would be simple, something left and right could agree on. Should your state's elections be governed by you, the people's representatives, or by one big tech billionaire? As a student of the left's role in politics, I'm amazed anyone left of center would be unsure how to answer. For years, we've heard left-leaning uh, left officials and left-leaning nonprofits decry political donations by billionaires. Here in Washington, prominent Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has objected to the very existence of billionaires. These attacks typically feature criticism of so-called dark money. I'm sure several members of this committee are on the record criticizing it. So let me assure the committee that the Center for Tech and Civic Life is as dark as they come. CTCL refused to disclose the hundreds of millions it received from Mr. Zuckerberg. Uh, only 
but that only became public knowledge when the donor himself revealed his nine-figure donation. CTCL declines to provide its full donor list, and it's organized as a 501c3 nonprofit, which can legally avoid revealing any donors. So much worse then, uh, because at least CTCL's darkness about donors is legally permitted, it also refuses to reveal where its hundreds of millions went in the last election. CTCL has admitted that thousands of local election offices in dozens of states received grants of $5,000 or more, and it's posted a preliminary list of local government offices that received funds. But of course, the critical question is how much money went to which election offices? CTCL refuses to make public that information, even though federal law requires CTCL to report on its public IRS Form 990 every grant of $5,000 or more to any government agency. Conveniently, CTCL can delay filing that document until November 2021. It's refused to answer these kinds of burning public questions despite being asked by the New York Times, the Associated Press, National Public Radio, American Public Media, The New Yorker, and others. Nonetheless, we at Capital Research Center have examined CTCL's full list of grantees, as well as news databases and local government reports to assemble the fullest data set currently available. We think these numbers won't change much when the full truth comes out because we found the grant amounts for most large jurisdictions. We've publicly disclosed all the data we can find, and we've published reports for the states of Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Texas, Arizona, Nevada, North Carolina, and Virginia. For every state we've examined, it is clear Zuckerberg's funding via CTCL has produced a highly partisan result. We first examined the funding in Georgia, and our report was so shocking, the Georgia Senate asked me to testify about it. Consider just a few data points. In Georgia, CTCL gave grants to nine of the state's 10 counties with the greatest Democratic shifts in their 2020 presidential vote compared to 2016. Those nine grantees averaged an amazing 13.7% shift favoring Democrats. In the 44 Georgia counties that CTCL funded, the Democratic presidential vote rose by more than two and a half times the Republican rise in the same counties compared to 2016. This partisan effect in the funded counties produced a Democratic advantage of about 323,000 votes in a state whose margin of victory was less than 12,000 votes. Now in Pennsylvania, the same pattern recurs. While CTCL funded slightly more counties won by President Trump, 13, than by Vice President Biden, 11. Recall that Biden won only 13 of Pennsylvania's 67 counties. So CTCL funded 85% of Biden counties compared to 24% of Trump counties. A Biden winning county was over three and a half times more likely to be funded by CTCL than a Trump winning county. Biden won six counties across the state that delivered him 100,000 votes or more. CTCL funded 100% of those six counties. Trump won four counties that delivered him 100,000 votes or more. CTCL funded 75% of those. We have data on the grant amounts received 
by 13 of the 24 counties CTCL funded in your state. All five of the highest known funded counties were won by Biden. By contrast, four of CTCL's five least funded counties were won by Trump. Even those counties, or sorry, even those numbers understate the vast funding disparity. A more accurate picture arises when we compare the funding per capita. Trump counties received an average of 59 cents per capita. Biden counties averaged $2.93 per capita, or over five times more funding. The most richly funded Biden County, Philadelphia, received $6.32 for every man, woman, and child, compared to a mere $1.12 for the most richly funded Trump County, Berks. In fact, for every voter who cast a ballot in Philadelphia County, the Democratic election officials there received $13.60. When we compare the presidential vote in 2020 to 2016 numbers, we find that in the 24 counties CTCL funded, 266,000 more votes were cast in 2020 for the Republican candidate versus 460,000 more for the Democrat candidate. That partisan difference of about 194,000 votes is more than double Biden's official victory margin for the entire state. Looking at this increased turnout in percentage terms, we find the median increase in Republican votes in all 24 counties CTCL funded was plus 17% 2020 over 2016. The median increase in Democrat votes was plus 27%. This pattern repeats in state after state. First, CTCL is far more likely to fund election jurisdictions that are rich with Democratic votes. Second, it funds those jurisdictions much more heavily per capita. Third, jurisdictions it funded boosted Democratic turnout far beyond the statewide margin of victory. Election expert Jay Christian Adams sums it up. CTCL's Zuckerberg Cash, quote, converted election offices in key jurisdictions with deep reservoirs of Biden votes into Formula One turnout machines. It's hard to square these facts with the federal requirement that 501c3 nonprofits like CTCL must be nonpartisan at all times, that they may not conduct, quote, voter education or registration activities that have the effect of favoring a candidate, close quote as the IRS guidance puts it. Unfortunately, such nonprofits have for years been ignoring federal law by conducting registration and get out the vote efforts that favor one party. Liberal journalist Sasha Eisenberg in his 2012 book, The Victory Lab, The Secret Science of Winning Campaigns, wrote of one such nonprofit, the Voter Participation Center, that remains prominent in elections to this day. Even though, quote, even though the group was officially nonpartisan for tax purposes, there was no secret that the goal of all its efforts was to generate new votes for Democrats, close quote. In the case of CTCL, this partisanship shouldn't surprise anybody who consults influencewatch.org to learn its leaders' backgrounds. All its founders first worked at a 501c4 nonprofit, the New Organizing Institute, which was such a powerful turnout machine 
that the Washington Post labeled it, quote, the Democratic Party's Hogwarts for digital wizardry. Both groups, CTCL and New Organizing Institute, are so similar that Capital Research Center created a quiz showing quotations from their two websites and asking readers to guess which group's website said it. The test is quite difficult. It is nearly impossible to tell the old C4 political nonprofit from the new C3 nonpartisan nonprofit. They are both simply democratic turnout machines. Seasoned election observers went into November saying that Pennsylvania was a critical swing state for the presidential election and that Philadelphia would be ground zero for the Democratic candidates' national hopes. CTCL partisans knew this too, and their invest investments in Pennsylvania prove it. I urge you to investigate every dealing CTCL had with every Pennsylvania government office. Did the contacts begin from the center side? What preconditions did the center put on its funds? Did the counties fulfill their budgetary and other obligations under state law when using those funds? Who designed voter education materials and advertisements? Who was hired? Who trained them? Was any money spent on training that would help prevent vote fraud? Already as internal records surface from other states' experiences with CTCL, grave irregularities are being exposed. For instance, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, a grant mentor from CTCL was given access to boxes of absentee ballots before the election, and as one local reporter put it, quote, in many ways became the de facto city elections chief. Their irregularities and possible legal violations of election law were so bad that the city clerk left her job in disgust. I regret to say that the grant mentor from CTCL, who's worked on several Democratic political campaigns, is a state leader for a group you just had testified to you, the National Vote at Home Institute. The problem of illicit nonprofit partisanship is for the U.S. Congress to solve, but the problem of nonprofits hoping to privatize Pennsylvania's elections is, I respectfully submit, your responsibility. Thank you for having me speak and for spending so much time looking into these questions. Thank you, Mr. Walter. We, Walters, we appreciate your testimony today and we look forward to working with all stakeholders to improve our election law moving forward. Thank you for your time today, sir. Oh, that was so disingenuous. Did you see that guy? He's like, oh yeah, we're looking forward to working with you. Yeah, we're looking forward to working with you. Okay, guys. Whoa, that was quite quite a marathon. Thank you all for sitting in through that. Um, that was just uh, that was just off the hook. Um, so, oh, thank you, Tanet Thank you all for stopping in today and joining me while we explored the Center for Tech and Civic Life um, and the, the various ways that they help influence the elections. Now, there's a couple of things for sure, uh, and I'll have to dig this up as well, but um, um, there was word uh, that on some of the uh, grants that Mark Zuckerberg through his Center for Tech and Civic Life, the grants that they had applied for, that there was verbiage to the fact that if they did not follow their directions accordingly, 
So in other words, if they were not investing the money that they had lent to them to control the elections the way they wanted them to, that they would have to pay it back. So regardless of whether or not these people were putting the money in their pockets or if they were just, you know what I mean? Because it went to drop boxes. It went to making their own ballot questions. It, meant, it went to giving them direction. It went to training all of these people in progressive and Democrat strongholds uh, to turn out the vote. You know that, what I mean? So like in regards to that, um, um, they, they were definitely a big main influencer in that the Zuckerbucks were scattered all over the United States of America. And if it weren't enough that Facebook and the ilk of the big tech were controlling, you know, our election and influencing opinions in that way, they also had to put the capital into it. And that's basically what this went into. That's what it was all about. So that's why we were just doing a little bit of an episode on who the Center for Tech and Civic Life is, because I would not be able to fit this into an hour episode Monday through Friday when we're talking about all of this election fraud. This is just another facet, another way, another means that they stole our elections. And um, and this is what this was one of the ways that they were able to uh, install that new normal to making people think that it would be okay to do such things and to participate in such activities. So anyways, guys, uh, do what I do. If you got to catch the replay five times, uh, sometimes that's what I have to do. Like, they can get so technical sometimes, so technical. But again, guys, all of the, uh, all of the uh, clips that I played here, the articles that I cited, the emails that I dropped, they will be placed in my Discord, so you can most definitely look for it there. But in the meantime, in between time, I hope you all have a great evening. I'm going to let you go now because it's midnight Texas time, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll be back tomorrow because don't forget, uh, normally the C-Report is not on the weekends. I usually take the weekends off, but uh, in honor of Memorial Day weekend and also in honor of the events and activities that are happening over in Dallas at the Forgotten Country Patriot Roundup, we're running some reports this weekend. So we'll see you again tomorrow. I don't know what time I'll drop, but for sure, subscribe or follow at pill.net so you will know the next time the C-Report is live. And thank you all again for your gold pill donations. And oh, wait, before I go, it's time to release the scratch-off. Because uh, people are, I, I, don't tell me you're asking me to release the scratch-off so you can go hang out with other people. Just kidding. <laughs> You know, I don't care. Okay, let me go ahead and release the scratch off for you guys. Uh, thank you all again for everyone who donated to the show this afternoon or this evening. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. So let's see. Where's my release the scratch off button? Where is it? Okay. Hold on. It's coming, guys. It's coming. It's coming. And not a moment too soon. I just got a troll over in Twitch. How about everyone move over to my Twitch and talk to Chet77 for a little bit, right? <laughs> Uh, Chet probably thinks I'm standing here by myself, but little does he know I've got a whole army behind me. Okay, let's go. Okay, time to release this scratch off. Let's go and get it going. All right, here comes the lotto ticket. Now, keep in mind, guys, this is not the lotto ticket that they're using to get people to get their mRNA vaccines, right? Their, uh, their gene therapy sessions. Nah, this is a different kind of lotto. Okay, this is a lotto that you guys put into and you deserve it. Here we go.
All right, y'all. The lotto has been released. Happy scratching. Okay. We will see you guys tomorrow at the sea report if you so decide to drop in. But otherwise, have a great night. Be safe out there. Be safe. And don't forget, America, we love you. And we're going to stand behind you 100%. 100%. Have a good night, y'all. Mr. C signing out.